Well, we're in this series that uh, we derived after collaborating with those who are the church growth officials that have been called in by our annual conference. And the one thing they've been saying over and over again to the pastors of our conference is, our people in the pews need challenge to take a step forward and do something that's measurable, specific, a SMART goal, if you know what a SMART goal is, and uh, uh, ones that are attainable and, and ones that are measurable, ones that are specific and, and time-specific uh, so that uh, there's this chance that we can step forward together. So this series is called the Step Forward series, Taking a Step Forward. And there are three components to the way we're asking our church to take a step forward. Then you all receive a card on the first uh, uh, Sunday of December just to pray over, and then on the 8th of December. And here are the ways we're asking us to take a step forward. The first was in our devotional lives. Will you take time to pray more than you prayed last year? Will you take time to read more in the Word that you, than you read last year? Now, if it's only five minutes a day, it's a specific goal to say, Lord, we're going to take one step forward from where we were last year. Because you can't take a step forward in obedience that God doesn't reward many, many times over. It's like the parable of the talents where Jesus gave a sum of money to the people and said, now take this and invest this. And we're going to invest listening to God through His Word by reading, and we're going to take time to pray. You remember the, the great song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, says, Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. God makes things better in your life, and through your prayers and petitions, also in the lives of others. Do you believe that? How many have prayed before and you knew it was a God-sized prayer and God did something, He answered a prayer of yours and you rejoice because through that God proved to you He's a prayer-answering God. Just raise your hand. Sometime in your life, hands all over the auditorium to say, God does things in answer to prayer. It's a way you, the people of God, can bless the lives of others in the world around you. You can pray. And so that was the first step we're asking you to take. And the second step today is about service. And then the third step is about giving three imperatives where we recognize without those three steps, the church is at a stalemate. And Jesus said, remember, the ones who are not for me are actually against me. So we have to move forward with God. If not, we're not walking with God. Now, I want to talk about that this morning. Service. The half-brother of Jesus wrote the book of James. James. The half-brother of Jesus. He said this in verse 21 of chapter 2. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? 
Now I want to talk about that a little bit. In the book of Ezekiel, one of the differences between God and all the world around is they, they had a barbaric religion where they actually offered human sacrifices. And in the book of Ezekiel, God said, it never entered my mind to do that. He never was going to require of anybody something so costly. But in order to show that, God was different. God called Abraham up to participate in what Abraham thought would be a child offering. But when Abraham had Isaac on the altar as a sacrifice, God provided a sacrifice. It was a ram caught by its horn in the bushes. How many ever heard that story before? Raise your hand. Okay. How many know why that ram was caught by the horn in the bushes? Raise your hand. By the horn. Deb, tell us why. Yes, because, uh, because the offering had to be an unblemished offering. It wasn't a ram that was all cut up by the thorn bush. It was a ram that couldn't get out because his horn was tangled. It was an unblemished animal that God provided. Dr. Henry Clay Morrison was a great circuit riding elder. It was my privilege to write a book on Dr. Morrison. He was the founder of Asbury Seminary, the two-time president of Asbury University where Glenn and, and uh, uh, Pastor Glenn and I went and also Glenn's son went and uh, my brother Doug and many others, Pastor Bruce went there, Brother Gary Turk went there, a great school with a tremendous Methodist heritage and uh, Dr. Morrison played a precipitous role in founding that school. Uh, a camp meeting, circuit riding elder, and one time they stole his horse and he walked the 26 miles around his circuit for, for several months until somebody gave the old boy a horse again, you know, so that he didn't have to walk. But he was a faithful guy and he was a tremendous preacher. In the South Carolina Annual Conference in 1923, Dr. Morrison preached a sermon on Abraham and Isaac. And uh, Dr. Morrison had long hair and he always wore a Prince Albert coat to preach in that had tails, you know, and he had a, a bow tie. He kind of looked like Colonel Sanders, to be honest with you. I got hungry every time I watched him preach. But anyway, Doctor, I didn't ever see him preach. He, he died in 1924. But, but, uh, but I wrote enough about him and, and I actually heard his only uh, remaining sermon was on a uh, a, a record disc, but Dr. Morrison was one of the 20 most well-preached uh, preachers in America. He preached all over the world. Dr. Morrison was anointed that day when he spoke to the South Carolina Annual Conference. Somehow God gave him the clarity in his sermon to show the altar and Abraham putting his son on the altar and actually going so far as to raise a knife above his son, which didn't please God at all. And yet the paradox is God asked him to offer his son 
Abraham thought it was because God wanted to require his son, but God did it to prove to Abraham that nobody but God was going to pay the price of intercession for the people of God. He said in the book of Ezekiel, it never entered my mind for anyone to offer their child. But this day, Dr. Morrison had Abe with the knife gleaming and his son on the altar. And he said, God looked down through time and eternity. And the angel of the Lord shot the long, strong arm of heaven out and grasped Abraham by the wrist as the knife was coming down. And a loud voice rose in heaven saying, God, we found us a man. And the Lord stayed the arm of Abraham and said, I've provided the sacrifice. Now, do you know what's interesting about that place where Abraham offered Isaac? In Israel, there stands a temple, a shrine, and it's called the Dome of the Rock. It's that sacred place that the Muslims revere next to Mecca as their most sacred place. Because the story of Abraham is a foundational story in the Koran as well as in the Old Testament. But it's also that place right next to the Dome of the Rock where the Via Dolorosa starts. Have you heard of the Via Dolorosa? It was the way, the path of the cross. You see, on that same hill, years later, God would start His Son, not the Son of Abraham, on the path of sorrows, the path of the cross, it's almost like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Dr. Morrison said that day in South Carolina. We're having a conversation. And the Son said to the Father, Father, you don't require human sacrifice. That can't atone for sin. Why do you have Abraham offering Isaac on the altar? He said, wait just a moment, Son, you'll see. And Jesus looked out, and then the Spirit said, Father... We've provided the sacrifice. The sacrifice is ready. A ram caught by the horn in the bushes. God provided the sacrifice. But the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit aren't bound by time. Time is an invention and a convention of humanity. But the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that could see all things looked at that same rock and and the son said, Father, why look? They're raising a cross. And Father, look, I see now that you're placing me on that cross. The Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. And Father, this time there will be no ram, will there? And the father shook his head. And the spirit shook his head. And there was one question. Are you willing? And Jesus said, 
will look across the valley in the prayer garden. I'm saying to you, I wish this cup would pass. Not my will, but thy will be done. And there on a hill called Mount Calvary, the sacrifice of God was offered up in the book of Hebrews said, never another lamb need to be offered because Christ was offered once and for all. And the veil of the temple that separated the people from the holy place was torn from the top to the bottom. And there God opened up a way for even sinners like you and me. You know, the Bible says that Christ does love sinners, and that's a sure and faithful saying. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Charles Wesley wrote a hymn that we rarely sing anymore, but it says, Jesus, what a friend of sinners. God opens up his arm for us. Do you know that the Bible says that Abraham walked with God? That's what's in my heart, the motive behind me preaching this series. Many of us think that Christianity is an experience where at some time we pray to prayer and ask Jesus into our heart. And I want to say that's part of what it means to enter into faith. But that's only the first step of faith. You see, the church needs to be re-engaged in the fact that Christianity is not just an experience. Christianity is a walk with God. Abraham becomes the Apostle Paul's model in all of Scripture of what it means to be a faithful person. Abraham walked with God. But for us to walk as the church of Jesus Christ, we have to be challenged to take a step forward. Not to walk backwards, but to take a step forward. So the half-brother of Jesus reminds us about the Abraham story and the great faith that Abraham engaged. And uh, do you know that the Bible then says as a result of Abraham walking with God, Abraham was called the what? The friend of God. What a beautiful thing. As I'm challenging today, it's not for, uh, and I've, I've tried to say this and I'm going to continue to say it, it's not to raise the budget. It's not to establish even the next small group. Although I pray that the budget flourishes and the small groups are full. But that's not what motivated this sermon series. It's not just to serve the Lord so we have more human power, human resources to get the job done, even though that's desperately needed. No. It's to challenge our people that all of these things are the fruitfulness that grow out of walking with God. You see, Christians walk with God. We sit and we worship on Sunday. But on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're the people of God who are the visible hands and feet of the kingdom of God in God's 
world. And like God said to Joshua, every place the sole of your foot touches on the earth, I will bless and give you. And so God is looking for His church to be the people of a faith walk. Christianity is a walk, not merely a belief. He said even the demons have some ability to believe. They believe what God says and they tremble because they know what God says is true. They're headed for eternal perdition, but you're the people of God. The Bible says you're the righteousness of God. You're the redeemed of God, and the redeemed of God aren't headed to perdition in a lake of fire. The redeemed of God, by grace, through faith, are headed on the journey of the mark for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You're on the upward trail to heaven itself. Listen to how quiet it is. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. Not amen because it's quiet. Amen because you're on the greatest journey there ever was. The journey towards heaven itself. And your company is God himself. When you walk with God, you are the friend of God. You know what John Wesley said? The chief purpose of a human being is anybody know that that uh, what what Wesley the father of Methodism's chief purpose of a human being is in life service kind of that's part of it certainly there's you know if, if I was grading a paper there's there's plenty of credit in that answer he said it this way to enjoy God in time and eternity. You see, if we can't enjoy God in time, we'll never enjoy God in eternity. I've often said that about the people who get mad and leave a church for some reason or other. God's probably going to plant that pastor right in that neighborhood in heaven. In other words, you can't get away from it. Huh? I believe God is going to make me a neighbor to all of the people that couldn't stand me and got mad and moved away. Because God is love. And He's never going to leave that unturned. Jesus said that Christians even love their enemies. Do you know that it's reported that one of the people whose head was cut off for being a Christian there on the shore from ISIS, said, God bless you, when it was his turn. They'd gone right down the line. And that person looked at the swordsman from ISIS that was about to decapitate him on television, but they forbade it to be seen on television. And he said, God loves you. God bless you. My brother, what a powerful witness to walk with God. Don't you wonder if your faith would allow you to, to be faithful in a trial so dear? 
all of life invested and knowing that it was one swing of the blade from eternity, the Christian said, God loves you. God bless you. No wonder the Apostle Paul said, bless those who persecute you. That's what Jesus did. On the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Think of all of the things you've enjoyed because God loves you and God has blessed you. Think of how you even enjoy worshiping with your brothers and sisters. Think of all of the good things that come to us. You know, last week, as uh, I played a video, even at uh, the request of a, of a chaplain, that chaplain went out and hugged his wife. The senior chaplain of the Pentagon, when he was watching Toby Keith sing, went out and hugged his wife and sat before her and wept and wept because he found out of his deployment in Djibouti when his daughter was only 15 months old and he knew he was going to be living in a tent for nine months at a formative time in his daughter's life. My son-in-law returned home yesterday from Iraq. Several of those people were covert in Syria and in Afghanistan. But you know, it, it blessed my heart to see the senior official from the Pentagon in the area of chaplaincy go out and hug his bride, and he wept while the video was playing. But you know, on our Connect card, we, we got an anonymous response in the office with a curse word on it for showing that video because they believed it was politically wrong to show soldiers in an act of war, and we were reprimanded. But you know something? We weren't doing anything but honoring the people who make a way for us. Because I never had to go to Iraq when my babies were young. I never had to go to a tent in Djibouti when my babies were young. But there are people who did it willingly. And I'll not accept a culture that despises the love and sacrifice of another. We walk with God, and to do so, it costs everything. But do you know something? We enjoy it in time and eternity. And here at Trinity Church, a husband, right over here, could go hug his wife, that's where she was sitting, and say, honey, Thank you for loving me enough to raise our daughter in a great time of trial. These are the kinds of things God is doing in your midst, within your reach. These are the ways God is blessing the earth with his goodness. To enjoy God in time and eternity and call God and the people who walk with God friend. 
And Jesus said, and if I call you friend, I will make you a joint heir so that everything I own, I will share with you, which means all of a sudden, we're not just friends, we're family. So the Advent series we're going to be preaching is come to the light, come to the family, the family of God. And the final thing James, the half-brother of Jesus, said is, the reason why you serve Christ is because you love Him. And when you love Him, it's contagious. Love never fails. In other words, this plan works. So faith without works is dead. Now I'd love to take you to Greek class because the death is called necros, which is where the medieval ages got the word necromancer, a doer of evil, like appears in all of the things like the J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, you know, novels and things. Necros, faith without works is just evil. It's not a God. But faith because you love God and enjoy serving Him, it works. So, I brought a little thing, and Ray, I want you to put it up on the, on the screen for us. And just go down that. Now, here are the ways you can serve God so that every single person in the church can serve God. And just go ahead and put that up. These are all the kinds of things you can participate in that serve God. Keep on going, Ray. Go to women's breakfast. Man, I'll tell you, I never knew that was serving God, but I, I, I'm, I'm being found okay. No, 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 I'm only kidding you. I've never been to women's breakfast. Listen, make a meal. Mentor someone in their Christian walk. Participate in workday activities. Look at all of the things. And this is our sister Debbie Mangiardo that... Uh, did all this. So far, we have 57 ways in our church you can serve God. 57 ways. If you have no as an excuse in 57 ways, no wonder we can't light your fire. Your wood's all wet. 57 ways. And do you know something? If that doesn't suit us enough, we're perfectly in agreement for you to invent five more and stick up there. Because do you know something? When you love God, it manifests itself. It works. But when we don't take time to serve the Lord, the horsepower of the kingdom goes away. I hesitate to make myself a final example, but I'm going to do it. You know, do you know I, I totaled my automobile two weeks ago coming home on from Engage. I was standing in a puddle, loading things into my car, and when I got to Main Street, a person stopped very abruptly, and that made me have to stop very abruptly, and I jammed my foot on the gas pedal, or instead of the brake, I hit the brake. It's just my wet foot slipped off the edge of the brake and hit the gas. It is not fun to hit the gas. 
Now, I'll tell you a story. This was, this was absolutely my fault, but this is a true story, too. I'll get in trouble for this story as well. The officer said, Rev, what in the world did you do? I said, you're not going to believe this, but I'll tell you, I'll just be candid with you. You know that person up there in that truck comes to my church. They only come once every two months. And when it came time for the offering, I saw them put a $1 bill in the offering. You know what I did? I just got mad and rammed him. My back slipped. <laughs> Do you know what the officer said? This is a direct quote. He, he looked at me and said, Oh my God, Reverend Smith, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. I've got to tell the chief, can we put that on the accident report? I said, no, because I'll burn where I don't want to burn for lying. I don't know that person, but that person was actually a pastor. But I totaled my car on Main Street. I totaled my car for hitting the gas. But you know something? I've decided I'd rather go through life with my foot on the gas pedal than always just stopping in the middle of the road. We're a church on the move. A church against which the gates of hell will not prevail. But whether or not you're in on that victory is all determined by whether or not the love you have for Jesus Christ will work. Serving God is a way the church goes forward. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.